And welcome back to the Constitutionals Podcast. I'm your host, Chad White. If you didn't know, this is the premier podcast for the website, cpluscomedy.com. Like I just said, it's a website. Go there. Let me start this thing. <laughs> Almost a flawless beginning to this show uh, that no one watches. Very close to it. I'm out of breath for some reason. <laughs> there we go. Hey, listen, it's uh, first day of San Diego Comic-Con. If you're listening to this in the future, which I hope you are, because <laughs> if you listen to it now, it'd be very strange. First day of San Diego Comic-Con, I didn't put two and two together. We got like four new trailers today. Top Gun Maverick, the Cats movie, which does not look surprisingly bad to me. To me. I mean, it's got down, it's it's thumbed down all over YouTube. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Unborn, that's going to be a show on Amazon from the guy who created, uh, what's it called, BoJack Horseman? And then a fifth one that I'm forgetting that I watched nigh upon two hours ago when I was at work. I forgot. Let's go to let's go to YouTube. Let's see. Let's see what let's see what there is. But uh, Conan was Conan's at Comic Con as always. Uh, I watched that first episode that he did last night. Um, it was one of my hairs on my phone. Uh, oh, it chapter two. That's right. I think uh, before I get back to Conan, I think it they really missed an opportunity to put that movie to release to make that movie and release it. Uh, a year after the 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 first movie came out, that's what I would have done. Uh, I would have I would have, you know, even if it were to to hold off on releasing it chapter one in 2017. I believe it was in 2017, right? I'm not gonna check. Uh, <laughs> I would I would have if I was a studio. I would have just capitalized. Uh, that's how that's how Avengers: Infinity War and Endgame came out. And look at it, not and not because of the, the subject matter. But of course, it made it made money, you know, because it because it came out so close together. What if what if Endgame came out two years from now, and people were still like they're holding in their like all the energy, you know, that movie probably wouldn't be as much of a hit. But it chapter two, you know, they capitalize on it, capitalize. You got to capitalize. I know I'm no marketer. I understand that they have different things going on. They have different schedules. Come on. Uh, Conan Comic Con, last night's episode was was fine. Uh, it uh, went back to an hour of Conan, which is great. I missed it. Um, I missed him doing an hour, and uh, and then they got uh, Jimmy Vivino and the Basic Cable Band is back at uh, Comic Con with them, so that's good. Andy's there. Andy's got a new podcast out called uh, Three Questions, I believe. It's a good show. I'm enjoying it. Uh, I I will. <laughs> That being said, I do not. I don't. I didn't finish the whole episode of Abby Jacobson, uh, uh, mostly because I have like thirty some odd podcast episodes downloaded to my phone right now. But uh, it's a good show, and I like Andy. I love him so much. He's a good guy, very funny guy. Did not know he was going through a divorce until he talked about it on a show last on Comedy Bang Bang. Uh, so that was strange to hear. I uh, like Sarah Ty- Thire, Tyre, his wife. I can't pronounce her last name. She's a very funny comedian writer. Um, but yeah, here we go. I'm glad I could just air out all this <laughs> dirty laundry of uh, Andy Richter on this show that no one wants to do. Listen, let's get into the Emmy nominations. They released the Ken Jong and Darcy Carden, I believe, were the hosts of this year's Emmy announcements. The drama series is. Uh, as you know, of course, you know, the shows that are going to be out there, Game of Thrones, Killing Eve. Uh, I don't know why those arcs up there. Pose is out there. Great. Succession. Awesome. This is us. 
Better Call Saul and Bodyguard. I don't know why I went in the order that I went in. Uh, you, you knew if you watched enough television this year, or even if you didn't watch enough, you you would have known that this that these are the shows that they're going to uh, nominate for the uh, Emmy, the Television Academy Award. Let's see what else we got. Oh, Jesus, I'm trying to flea bag. I, I literally five minutes ago, after starting this before starting this episode, I finished Fleabag, uh season two. Uh, it should be nominated. It should win, but I don't think it's going to win. It's probably going to be. The Good Place or Barry, which are also nominated. Miss Maisel's up there too for some reason. Martian, uh, Russian Doll, Veep, and I think Veep's gonna win. Uh, but Shit's Creek, Pops, Pop TV, Shit's Creek, created by Dan Levy, Eugene Levy's son, who's also in the show. Both of them in the show. Uh, very funny. Catherine O'Hara, just such a funny show that just I didn't recognize until this year. You know, not even not even like three four months ago. Like I, I just, I just started watching it. Very funny show. Uh, Shit's Creek deserves to be nominated. Uh, Outstanding limited series: Chernobyl, uh, Chernobyl, Dana Mora, Fosse Verdon, Sharp Objects. When they see us, of course. Uh, I'm not gonna choose my winners yet because that's a whole thing I usually do. Bandersnatch. Oh, for a television movie, Bandersnatch, Brexit, Deadwood, King Lear, My Dinner of Irvin. I think people just want, you know, sometimes I look at these these nominations and I think people just want to say they just want Netflix to win something. Now, HBO did take back the crown with most nominations, but you have to see for the most wins, you know, come September. But I think no matter how poorly something on Netflix is is uh, is re- is reviewed or, uh, you know, acclaimed or something, they just want. Netflix to be in there at some point, and that's why I think Bandersnatch is in there. Now, I've never seen Bandersnatch. I do like Black Mirror. I don't watch them all. I I, I watched them before they were popular. <laughs> and that's the douchiest thing I've ever said. I watched them before they were popular. But, uh, and I have no plans on seeing it anytime soon. I just don't want to sit down and play Bandersnatch. Um, but yeah, I stand by my, my, my logic. Lead actor in a comedy series. Bill Hader, Don Cheadle, Anthony Anderson, who will not win, is very sad, but he's nominated in like almost every year. For the past like four or five years, he's been nominated. Uh, Ted Danson, those numbers might be off. <laughs> Michael Douglas, Eugene Levy. It's very, it's very crazy how Schitt's Creek is getting nominated three times for Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy and the show. It's amazing. I, lo- I love it. Schitt's Creek is a wonderful show. Check it out. It's on Netflix. It's on Pop TV, but it's also on Netflix. Outstanding lead. What? What did I just read? Outstanding lead actor. Oh, comedy series. All right. Outstanding lead actor in a drama drama series. Bob Odenkirk. Kit Harrington. I don't know why. Jason Bateman. Really don't know why. Billy Porter. Sterling K. Brown. Milo Ventimiglia. Lead actor in a limited series or movie. Jared Harris. Benicio Del Toro. Sam Rockwell. Marsha Ali. Hugh Grant. Jarell Jerome. When I saw that Jarell Jerome was nominated, he's uh, one of the one of the actors. And when they see us, I was very surprised, very happy to see uh, someone that young get recognized for good work. Lead actress in a comedy series: Christina Applegate, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who should win as Fleabag; Rachel Brosnahan, who should not win. No offense, <laughs> Natasha Lyonne, Catherine O'Hara, uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who will definitely win. <laughs> If she doesn't win, then I don't know what's what's wrong with this world. <laughs> I'll say Lee Dachris in a drama series. 
Amelia Clark for some reason. Robin Wright for some reason. Viola Davis. As if Robin Wright had to put up with Kevin Spacey. <laughs> I don't know why she's nominated. Because uh, I don't even think how to see, again, this is going along with my Netflix theory that people just want it to be nominated, want something in that should it be nominated. Uh, that the last season was was poorly reviewed, and I don't even think anybody watched it because Netflix isn't releasing numbers for it. They're releasing numbers for Dead to Me, which is watched by 30 million people. They're releasing numbers for Murder Mystery Party, but not for House of Cards, the final season. Viola Davis, Jodie Comer, who should win? Sandra O, oh, who should win? Laura Lenny, Manny Moore. And then just a whole bunch of other shows and things. Simpsons was nominated, of course. I think Bob's Burgers as well. Uh, <laughs> just very excited for my cause some of my favorite shows. Saturday Night Live, Game of Thrones, they lead the nominations. But before, we, but let's get into this. Uh, so we've been talking about diversity in the world of the Emmys, in the world of the Academy, the television, the film Academy, the music Academy, all these, all these different academies. And we are apparently... <laughs> The, you know, we can go to these shows, these people, the famous people can go to these shows that can get in these interviews and talk about not having representation for people of color, for women, for people of color. Uh, but then when it comes to it, the people of color are not are still not being represented. You can you it's truly Hollywood is all talk when it comes to this. They're still not being represented. We're still not being represented. And it's unfair, and it's really getting to be bothersome because they now they're they're the ones bringing the issue to the forefront, but they're still not doing anything about it. It's like me saying, "I really I need to iron this shirt. I really need to iron this shirt, but I don't iron a shirt. The problem is still there, and I'm the one, and it's my fault because for both for both things, I I keep bringing it up, and I still don't do anything about it. Uh, that's a pretty good analogy. But diversity. And the Academy really needs to be recognized. Now, they can invite, you know, 400 people of color and women to join the Academy, uh, all actors or writers or uh, uh, directors, cinematographers, editors, uh, artists, you name it. They can these all these people can join the Academy. But it doesn't mean that they're going to vote for uh, the snowfall. They're going to vote for one day at a time, which which should be nominated. They're going to vote for, um, I don't know, Steven Universe. It's a show about lesbian uh, aliens. So that's that's very diverse. I mean, it's just insane that you just you talk, you say one thing, but you don't do it. You don't you don't follow through with it. And again, I did an episode of News Time on this diversity thing, and only Michael B. Jordan is doing anything about it. So check it out. Uh, so this so uh, this article, Emmy nominations see major de- decline in diversity and inclusion, written by Dino Ray Ramos, from headline from Deadline. <laughs> headline. I'm gonna make a uh, a website called Headline. It's gonna be all. Oh, it's gonna be a trade website, just like Deadline and THR and Variety. Well, Edward DuVernay's, he writes, when they come see us, came in with the most nominations for people of color, including a first-time nod for uh, Jarell Jerome and uh, other well-deserved nominations from the series included Nisi Nash, uh, Ian Juan Ellis. <laughs> I don't know these names. And then we've got uh, John Leguizamo, Michael K. Williams, and uh, just a slew of other people who are nominated. Billy Porter is nominated. 
Uh, I think Billy Porter is a person of queer identity. That's the only time I'll ever say something like that. I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna be that politically correct ever again. Kumail Nanjiani was nominated. Was nominated for a Twilight Zone. Why? That was a bad episode. Uh, it was. Go watch the episode of Twilight Zone on CBS All Access. It was not a good episode. It was way too long. I'm not joking. Benicio del Toro, Mahershala Ali. Uh, yeah, but it's the, it's just a decline. Um, and you know, this year again, we're gonna see just a whole bunch of white winners. And uh, you know, I love white people. I love them so much. But the Television Academy is not diverse. The voters don't, and 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 if they do have di- they do have diverse numbers now, uh, they're still not voting for the diverse shows, or they're not vote they're not voting in. They're not uh, the people. What happens is, when you want to win an Emmy or an Oscar, you campaign for those things. You walk the walk, and then eventually, the Academy of members, you know, like Terry Crews and I don't I don't know other people in the Academy. <laughs> Terry Crews and Nick Cannon, I assume, Brad Pitt, other people in the television academy, in the movie academy, whatever, they vote you win. And then they say, okay, uh, or or like you campaigned for, you campaigned for your show. So Benicio Del Toro, the I, I assume the producers or Showtime put him up for Escape from Dandemora. And, uh, and so now he's going to go around, now that he's nominated, he's going to go around to all the late night shows doing interviews and stuff or doing interviews with like THR variety. And now he's going to be, uh, trying to win the Emmy and that's how it works. Very convoluted way of doing it. <laughs> Definitely check that article out. F next up, this comes from writing FX plus is ending. FX Plus, if you didn't know, this is written by Todd Spangler, my good friend. Disney shutting down FX Plus, the subscription service. Uh, so if you didn't know, of course, obviously, Disney bought 20th Century Fox. 20th Century Fox uh, owns FX. Okay, here's the thing. Fox sold Fox assets to Disney. So they owned all of the movies, the TV shows, all that stuff. <laughs> and, and the channels, except for Fox and Fox News. Except for Fox, the broadcast channel of Fox News. But they own everything else. FX, FXX, FX, FX, FX. Uh, And so when Disney bought them, they bought FX Plus, obviously. FX Plus is the ad-free service coming from uh, FX, where subscribers who already subscribe to FX via their cable package, like Charter Spectrum, they will pay another $5 so they can get the shows on FX ad free plus they get all the back catalogs and stuff six bucks excuse me uh but now fx plus it's only been around for like two three years fx plus is going to end in august because disney has hulu they have disney plus coming out and they have espn plus they don't need another service and they know that also fx plus was like what 20 shows including the shield american horror story atlanta always sunny damages sons of anarchy terriers a lot of those shows are on Hulu or Netflix or whatever. 
current seasons of FX Network's original series will continue to air on the FX and FXX linear channels and be available for, quote, for a limited time on demand viewing, which is what they already do, and the FX Now app on online on FXNetworks.com through pay TV subscriber authentication according to the cable programmer. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a long time coming. <laughs> I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody who I, I know people who can, I, I understand if people watch crackle, I don't know anybody who would go, let me subscribe to FX plus. I'm not, I, I don't want to watch the 30 second ad break they have in between the Simpsons <laughs> on the Simpsons channel. God, I'm going to miss that so much. Uh, AMC networks did the same thing. They have a thing called AMC premiere but it only does for $5 a month. Uh, it's still going strong. Don't know why. Listen, we're going to take a break. and When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the big story, which is Big Little Lies. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. This is the Constitutionalist Podcast. Making sure I'm waving on both sides, on both cameras, so that I know. I was looking up cameras today. I don't have the money to, uh, <laughs> to, to buy one. Uh, but I was looking up cameras. And camcorders are still being made, believe it or not. Canon released five new camcorders. Three are, or no, two are consumer level. And then, like, the other three are professional. I don't know how it really works. But I think it's very interesting. I mean, they're better than DSLR. The only reason that people started using DSLR is what I gather, is what I gather is, is that YouTubers and vloggers and all those internet types uh, they flocked to DSLRs because they could do so many things, t- so many things, so many things with them, such as take pictures and do video, whereas a camcorder truly only does video. But what it does, it does it really, really well. Uh, I'll look into it, but I am trying to move into an apartment. I'm in my own apartment by myself, so I can't afford a camera. <laughs> Anytime soon. Let's get on to this next story. The final small story before the big story. Disney heiress laments Bob Iger. Okay, whatever. Okay. Uh, This is from Yahoo News. I was so livid. Disney heiress visits theme park to see worker conditions. Uh, Abigail Disney did. This is from Yahoo News. Written by Rebecca Corey. Abigail Disney is the great granddaughter of Disney himself. And uh, I don't think it's Walt. I don't think she's, I know she's related to Walt, but I don't think, I think her dad was her, I don't know. I don't know how the bloodline works, but she's related to Walt. She's an heiress to the fortune. She did, she pulled an undercover boss and she visited one of the theme parks. Worker conditions were poor. And, uh, and also she has done this before. She's called out Bob Iger, who is the current, uh, Disney CEO. I think he has like two more years on his contract or three. Something, last thing I read, he's got $66 million per year in his salary. And while the workers at, uh, the Disneyland and Disney theme parks, they only get minimum wage. If that, that's what she said. Bob needs to understand he's an employee, just the same as the people scrubbing gum off the sidewalk are employees. And they're entitled to all the same dignity and human rights that he is. Iger's paycheck last year was more than a thousand times what the median Disney employee made in 2018, according to Equilar. Whoa. 
uh, Abigail Disney, who does not have a huge following on Twitter, believe it or not. Uh, in a different timeline, she's super famous. <laughs> but on Twitter, I think she has less than 100,000 followers. She received. She went to Disneyland after receiving a Facebook message from a distressed worker. I went to Anaheim, and I wanted to be sure I understood the situation and context really, really well. She, she said she, what she found at the happiest place on earth was a facade that was about to crack from the pressure of making ends meet. And you hear that all the time. Like if, you, if you really do pay attention, uh, you hear that all the time uh, with, with different types of businesses. Of course, you hear it with Amazon workers who went on strike during Prime Day. Uh, I hope you didn't support Prime. I accidentally did. I bought a crock pot. I feel so bad. I remember I woke up that morning. I was like, all right, I guess I'm not going to buy anything on Prime Prime Day. I want to I want to be in solidarity with these workers. And then I get to work, and it's like it's it's like it's like 11 a.m. And I'm just scrolling. I'm just scrolling the deals, whatever. I see a uh, Crockpot, Instapot for, uh, and it's it's one of the good ones for like it's like a hundred and fifty dollars off. And I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> a fifty dollar Crockpot? No, 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 because it's one thirty regularly, so it's like eighty dollars off. And I go, oh. A crock pot. <laughs> this is what an instant pot, an instant pot. It's an upgraded one. It's the one I've been wanting, and I bought it. I feel so bad. I'll donate some money to it, like a workers' union or something. Uh, a spokesperson for Walt Disney Company reached out to say that the company generally avoids responding to such baseless accusations. Baseless in quotes. Quote, but this one is particularly egregious and we won't let it stand. We strongly disagree with the characterization of our employees and their experience at Disney. This widely reported stunt is a gross and unfair exaggeration of the facts that is not only a misrepresentation, but also an insult to the thousands of employees who are part of the Disney community. We continually strive to enhance the employment experience of our more than 200,000 employees through a variety of benefits and programs that provide them opportunity, mobility, and well-being. Whoa. And uh, I read somewhere that the uh uh 200 where they? oh they have uh they have benefits. They like one of their benefits includes being able to what uh, what Starbucks does, being able to apply through Disney for like a scholarship where they'll pay for your entire college tuition or something. Uh, and they said 40 or 45 percent of the workforce, the the Disney workforce, so 45 percent, 40 percent of 200,000 people take advantage of that, which is very curious to me. Uh, the company has been accused of sexist pay practices. Earlier this month, 40 women joined a major pay gap case against it, according to The Guardian. They're part of a larger class action class action lawsuit filed in April, alleging that the company systematically underpays its female employees. You know, and then also if you hear that, uh, if, if, if listening to podcasts, any indication, I've heard several from, you know, from like, from people who have worked at Disney that, uh, they can't, they're not allowed to, uh, talk in the costumes and they can never be seen in just like half the costume. Like if you have a goofy, if you're goofy, you can't have the goofy hat off in the park. And I think, I don't think you can smoke on campus either, but who cares, who cares about that? According to the Financial Times, Iger referred Disney to the company's human resources department, quote, who cited initiatives such as its $150 million funding for employee education. There you go. I should really just read. 
the spokesperson said that more than 40% of Disney's 88,000 plus hourly employees have signed up for the participate. It's crazy how you read one thing and it sticks in your head. 40%. I uh, definitely check it out. Disney's very strange. Uh, Disney's not strange. Disney's not. I don't know, man. I've, you know, just ever since the Fox acquisition, I have just been, I've been questioning everything Disney does. <laughs> Truly uh, firing all those people. Uh, I understand that, you know, there were, there were going to be some firings, but 7,000 people, uh, a lot of people, I was about to curse, is a lot of people to lose their jobs. Uh, Re-releasing Mulan, Lion King, and just the piss poor work, the same vanilla work, not piss poor, because uh, it's, it's it's really good. When, I mean, you know, once you, if you look at it, but the, the, the samey work they do for superhero movies, uh, it's just unimaginative. It's just unimaginative. All right, moving on. This is the last story of the day. The mains topic. The mains topic. Uh, see, let's get a little choked up here. This is about Big Little Lies. So if you notice a little dip in quality for Big Little Lies, as has uh, most of the world, um, it was found out last weekend that Andrea Arnold, the creator of Big Little Lies, uh, yeah, she uh, lost control of the show because HBO just took it from her. This comes from IndieWire. This is breaking news by IndieWire. I'm just going to scratch my lower belly here. <laughs> Big Little Lies Season 2 Turmoil Inside Andrea Arnold's Loss of Control, uh, Creative Control, written by Chris O'Fault. Uh, subhead is HBO and David E. Kelly took the show away from Arnold as executive producer Jean-Marc Vallée tried to return it to his season one style. Uh, if you if you've been watching the this season of or the final season, this second season of Big Little Lies, it probably shouldn't have been shouldn't exist in the first place. Uh, you you might notice it's a little bit it's trying too hard. If you ask me, and I know you ask me, baby, you're trying a little bit too hard. Uh, Reese's character is doing the most. Laura Dern's character also doing the most. Zoe Kravitz's character has been kind of side-saddled with this uh, depression of killing a man. Um, The only person, you know, Meryl Streep is great. I'm glad to have Meryl Streep there, but, and I'm glad to have Adam Scott back in any capacity, but it's, it's the big little lie season two is, and I want to say not good because like that and game of Thrones, they're just two. They feel like different shows than they were before. Game of Thrones season one is a different show than game of Thrones or game of Thrones. Let's say game of Thrones season four is a different show compared to game of Thrones season. The last one, seven. <laughs> All right. When the executive producers and HBO approached Andrea Arnold about directing the second season of big little lies, the pitch was simple. They not only wanted the British filmmaker to direct the entire season, they wanted an Andrea Arnold version of the show and all that entailed. It just wasn't lip service. From prep through production and into post-production, Arnold was to get free reign. But a significant part of HBO and showrunner David E. Kelly's plan was not shared with Arnold. All right, so she didn't create the show, but whatever. She was going to direct it. According to a number of sources close to the production, there was a dramatic shift in late 2018 as the show was yanked away from Arnold, and creative control was handed over to executive producer and season one director Jean-Marc Vallée. That's like taking uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I've been... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I'm on an Indiana Jones kick. Uh, it's like taking Raiders of the Lost Ark from Spielberg and then just giving it to 
you know, someone who's, who's equal, who does equal things, but has a completely different mindset, like Lucas, giving it to George Lucas. <laughs> He'll add lasers to it or some type of sick incest love story. The goal was to unify the visual style of season one and two. In other words, after all the episodes had been shot, take Arnold's work and make it look and feel like a uh, familiar style Valet brought to the first hit season, to hit first season, which won eight out of the 16 Emmys it was nominated for in 2017, including Outstanding Limited Series. When it was a limited series, now it's a TV show. According to sources close to the executive producers, it had always been the plan, although unbeknownst to Arnold, for Valet to become re-involved in the show last fall. Kelly, whose TV career... is uh, a strong believer that TV is different than movies. Shows have a unified style rather than directional voice. I mean, I guess I can see where they're coming from, but you hire a director, you're going to get that person's voice. Uh, when you hire James Burroughs, you know, for a sitcom, he has to work in that sitcom, in the space of that sitcom world. So the episodes he does of Big Bang Theory are going to be similar to what he does for Cheers. I don't know if he directed Big Bang Theory. Any episodes of Big Bang Theory? I assume he did. Episodes he does for Friends are going to look the exact same as episodes he's done of uh, Taxi. Did James Burroughs direct Taxi? I don't think so. What? James Burroughs Taxi. James Burroughs, if you don't know, is one of the... Yep, Taxi. He did do Taxi. Is uh, the the premier director for sitcoms, for multicams. Yeah, if you've watched a sitcom ever in your life, you've seen an episode uh, directed by James Burroughs. When HBO and the show's executive producers were unwilling to wait for Valet, who had committed to Sharp Objects to shoot season two, the creative team behind the show collectively decided to hire Arnold, whose work they believed that Valet and his season one team could easily shape into the show's distinctive style and post-production. Valet, who advocated for Arnold, told IndieWire last May that he saw their directorial styles as being cut from the same cloth. I think this is... (laughs) This kind of pisses me off. Uh, Laura Dern uploaded a Instagram post that had where she was wearing a shirt that said Andrea Arnold. Uh, where at the end uh, when it ra- when they wrapped Big Little Lies, I uh, this is kind of this is a this is this is damaging evidence for <laughs> for the uh, what corporations can do to uh, the style of something, especially when they want to make a a franchise out of something. I guarantee when Big Little Lies ends, they're going to try to find some way. HBO, I'm not HBO, Warner Media? Is that what they're called? AT&T is going to try to find some way to turn, to do like a spinoff or something. Renata, Renata's cooking show. <laughs> uh, elements of uh, Arnold's work does remain on screen. But they are, the scenes are truncated. This is a quote. Scenes are truncated, editing, especially choppy. As the season has progressed, the show has increasingly settled into familiar season one style and rhythm. Eleven editors are currently credited on the show. Jesus. Oh, my God. Um, HBO stand. Okay, so uh, this comes from The Hollywood Reporter, written by Jackie Strauss. My good friend. HBO stands by Big Little Lies director amid report of behind the scenes drama. The HBO said, quote, the final product speaks for itself. Oof, boy, that's, that is ridiculous. 
This is what the network said to Hollywood Reporter in a statement. There wouldn't be a season two of Big Little Lies without Andrea Arnold. We at HBO and the producers are extremely proud of her work. Uh, as with any television project, the executive producers work collaboratively on the series, and we think the final product speaks for itself. Uh, that's pretty much all that says. And then Caroline Fr- Framick. Framick. <laughs> Wrote something for a variety. She wrote a column for a variety. Call it entitled, titled, Big Little Lies, Season 2's Woes, Starting, Started with its writing. And it just kind of came out last week in that nobody's enjoying Big Little Lies Season 2 right now. <laughs> Which is uh, very strange because I thought, I, I'm, admittedly, I was forcing myself. I was forcing myself to feel this show. The, the second season of the show. Season 1's amazing, fantastic, wonderful series. Uh, wonderful short series, limited series. But I was like, but season two began and I just haven't been called to watch episodes. Like I'm an episode behind right now. And the, the, the series ends Sunday. Uh, like, I've, like I'll find myself brushing my teeth during an episode and then like missing whole scenes and then just going, eh, well, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, you know I don't care about the show, but I brush my teeth and wash my face during it before I go to bed. Uh, okay. Uh, that's pretty much it. Yeah, definitely check out the the article, but all three articles, uh, they have they're much longer than I made them out to be, and they have great insight into it. They have great insight into it. That's my George Bush. They have great insight into it. He's a baby now. He's a baby now. <laughs> Shut up. I watched a movie at work today. I watched a movie called uh, Chisholm. Chisholm? Is it Chisholm? Chisholm. Movie. I think it's, yeah, Chisholm. And it's uh, starring John Wayne. And it features Billy the Kid uh, in it. Not the actual Billy the Kid guy. He's He'd been dead. The movie came out in 1970. <laughs> but it featured Billy the Kid as a character. And his uh, regulators. I watched two movies in over the past couple of days called Young Guns and Young Guns One and Young Guns Two, and uh, they're not very good movies. They're late eighties movies starring the rat, the the Brat Pack, excuse me, uh, Emilio Estevez, Charlie Sheen, uh, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, and a and a few other people. Um, and it's uh, and Emilio Estevez is Billy the Kid. He plays him, and he plays him really wacky. He plays him like how Mark Hamill plays the Joker in Batman the Animated Series, <laughs> which is to say that he's it's like very wild and cartoony, and I love it. And so, uh, Young Guns One and Young Guns Two, um, if you have any chance to check both of them out in succession, I would definitely check it out. Uh, it's, I mean, there's a lot of issues with those movies, um, but they're very fun, uh, and I think I like Westerns in general. And I and then I think, and I would hope that. If, you know, you know, God willing, my writing career takes off and I'm able to write a movie, <laughs> I, w- I would write a uh, and make a movie. I would I would make a Young Guns reboot, but call it Young Guns parts one and two and make it one movie, make it like a two and a half hour movie. Tell the entire Young Guns <laughs> movies <laughs> because the first movie is Billy the Kid 
And what happens? Uh, he gets he gets taken in by a guy named John Tunstall, which is very true. And he starts working with a group of guys called the Regulators that they call themselves the Regulators because they go around and they fight to avenge the death of Tunstall. Um, and then eventually some of the Regulators die off and then they all split. And that's all true. Then in Young Guns 2, which is I don't think is very accurate except for one thing, uh, one of the Regulators who's Billy the Kid's friend, Pat Garrett, begins to hunt Billy the Kid because he's just killing people. And the war is over. The war that they started is over. Uh, <laughs> and it's just great. And I love it. Anyway, definitely check it out. <laughs> Young Guns 1 and 2. <laughs> Listen, if you like what heard here, what heard here, head on over to the website, cpluscomedy.com, where there are so many great things. You can, uh, if you want to watch the video version of the show, youtube.com slash plus comedy um, you can also see there uh, the premiere show it's called uh, news time it's a weekly news show every single week I take a topic and I work it <laughs> this week's episode is about VidCon I believe oh no 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 it's about um, last week's episode is about VidCon this week's episode is about Cameo uh, a service where you can hire famous people to send you personal video messages for, you know, some people like Snoop Dogg's a thousand dollars, or we can get Meredith from the office who's like twenty five bucks. Gilbert Gottfried is like a hundred bucks. So there you go. Definitely check it out. It's a very funny episode, very informative. I did it. I liked it a lot. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Simples Comedy. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chad Black White. Like us on Facebook. Speaking of which, on my Instagram, you can see a. Uh, vacation video I did. I did two videos. Check it out. At Chad Black White when I was in Vancouver. The music choices are wonderful. Thank you for listening. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. I love you. Bye. Bye.